You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Now with the New York Islanders, number 14, Bo Horvat. All I can tell you is it's too long and it's too much money. (laughs) 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 So that's, I mean, you want the truth? Bruce Boudreau here, formerly of the Canucks. I would love to give you some advice, but evidently my advice doesn't work anymore. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Sweet, sweet Monday. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650, and we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. And welcome back yet again to my good friend, Jason Bruff, everybody. Good morning, everyone. Uh, and good morning to A-Dog. You're back as well. Good morning. And good morning to Laddie. You are back from the weekend as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. The man might be sick, but he's not sick enough. We're not too sick talk about orthotics I'm not sick enough <laughs> i almost i almost knew i'm like i can't put it wait that a minute way. we are coming to you live from the kintech studio kintech footwear and orthotics canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1500 five-star google reviews find your perfect fit at kintech.net yeah i've had quite a run yes pneumonia for christmas and then uh the stomach flu it's like a bad hallmark movie i got pneumonia no- for christmas pneumonia from santa and the stomach flu from the boy uh, you've had a run, a mm-hmm. really, really long. You're yeah. withering away. You're down to 130 pounds. Mm-hmm. It's yep. like working with a rake. Yep. But you're, like, you're okay. You're back. It's like working with Kevin Durant. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Minus, minus the talented money. But <laughs> He's yes. officially gangly now. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that you're in studio. We missed you the last couple of days. You missed the uh, Rick Tockett interview. I was very upset yeah. that I missed the Rick Tockett interview. How, do, how did it go? Did you guys uh, mostly softballs for him? Yeah. I, you know, at the it's end. hard to, like, after three games. Like, what happened in Seattle? But Rick the, absolutely loves Halford. They're best buds now. Two, really? th- two oh, things yeah. on that. One. At the end of an interview, when someone says, wow, those are really great questions, mm-hmm. my immediate response was, I asked him really easy questions. <laughs> Two, someone on Twitter pointed out to me that he ends a lot of interviews like that. Oh, uh, that's too bad. Yeah. You almost played it from your handbook with the, the way you end interviews usually. <laughs> I did generic. ask him if we could do this again sometime. <laughs> he didn't say no. Okay, we got a big show ahead on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. All-Star Weekend is mercifully over. We get back to hockey today. The Canucks and Devils, 4.30 from New Jersey. Canucks are right back in action at 6.30 this morning. Matt Laughlin's going to join us on the show, the play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils. We will look at, at, at this buzzsaw, buzzsaw of a team. Have won 8 of 10 going into the break. Uh, Jack Hughes, just a phenomenal season that he's having. Did you know that he signed for $8 million annually? Through the next eight years. I think that's an important figure to bring up. What an idiot. <laughs> yeah, what a dummy. Anyway, we'll talk to Matt Laughlin at 6.30 about tonight's opponent, the New Jersey Devils. 7 o'clock, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders. He's also a presentation of the Clayton Public House. Uh, we were going over the notes this morning. You know the, the big party that we're having for Super Sunday yeah. at the Clayton Pub? Mm-hmm. There's a big addition to the to the lineup. Oh, is it the Grey Cup? No, new co-host. Oh, Dan Riccio. Oh no! In addition, in addition, really to, selling it to Randy, <laughs> Randy Janda and Dan Riccio. 
Rand Heap and Dan are going to host together. Is he also going to be fired out of uh, a cannon? Yeah, I think so. He could kind of, he's kind of cannonball-y. <laughs> it's, a li- it's a little more manageable. It's a little yeah. more. You can you visualize it a right. little bit more. Anyway, uh, Mike they've, Tanier. They've added, they've added mud wrestling for the two of them, too, to the, the docket. <laughs> it's going to be sloppy. Yeah. Um, Mike Tanier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, brought to you by the, the Clayton Public House, is going to join us. It is officially now Super Bowl week. Uh, all the parties involved, that includes the Eagles, the Chiefs, and Moj, all flew into Arizona over the weekend. So we will talk to – did you see it? Moj posted a video. I saw, him, I saw him yeah, eating his first of four burgers mm-hmm. at In-N-Out. Yeah, that's about right. Moj, yeah. We had Moj on the show on Friday. He was very excited to get down to Arizona. So we will talk to Mike Tanier at 7 is Super Bowl week. Uh, kicks off. We'll go around the NFL with him, though, because there's lots of stories about all the quarterback carousel and what have you. 8 o'clock, Ian McIntyre, iMac, is going to join us from New Jersey, where the Canucks are in action tonight, so we can go over everything that happened on a weird Sunday night practice for the Canucks as they got back into it last night. New look lines. There were some guys recalled from Abbotsford. We can get into all that with iMac at 8 o'clock. I mentioned it's the Canucks and Devils 4.30 tonight. From New Jersey, five other NHL games. Uh, Calgary is also back east right now. They're going to play the Rangers and the Battle of Florida tonight, Tampa Bay and Florida. Eight NBA games. There's a whole bunch of sports. There's a whole bunch of things we need to get into. Let's do that now. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. No. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Missed that? You missed that? It warms the cockles of my heart to look into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Reminder, if you want to get a hold of us at the show, 650-650. Look at the number of people, the Mm well-wishers, welcoming you back into the fold. I appreciate that, too. That's very nice. This uh, early what we learned from Sea Legs, uh, if Bruff shows up for work today, I hope he appreciates the hard work you guys had to put out. Better not be a jerk today. I'll use a a different word for the the word (laughs) that was Better not be a jerk. You can't use on radio work? Yeah. Uh, A Richard today. Oof. Um, When am I ever a jerk? It's true. You know what Laddie said to me? He's like, I'm glad you're back because there's so much work when when you're not here. There's so much talking. Talk to this guy? There was a lot of talking. Mm -hmm. Favor didn't show up on Thursday. I heard about that. So it was 23 minutes of pure tap dancing. How about, um, by the way, I was going to, I was going to, I know we need to get into this Horvat nah, news. That's fine. But how about when we had all that praise for Faber? I know. Do you remember that? We had all I that know. praise for Faber. Yeah. The, the people texted in, and I, and I wanted to read those texts that, and I called him like he's an up and coming star. You praised him for his hard work. The guy slept in. The, the, right the through very it. next appearance, he sleeps in. Yeah. And then he, Did he get entitled with yeah, like, praise, got, like immediately entitled? Yeah. Well, I don't have to set my alarm clock anymore because Bruff loves me. I'm in oh, the good books. Do you, do, you know, <laughs> do you know what I did? Is he texted an apology, and then I didn't read it or respond to it for six hours. Nice. Like, I'm just gonna see <laughs> nice. how this. Let him sweat. And, and then nice. when I responded, good. I responded as though like nothing had happened. I'm like, all good, bro. Talk to you next week. But it was actually the next day. Okay. Uh, there is bigger news than Chris Faber here. It's Bo Horvat. On Sunday, for a half-hour window before Kyrie Irving got traded, Bo Horvat was the biggest news of the day. Stole the headlines early, signing a, wait for it, eight-year, $68 million extension with the New York Islanders, who, of course, recently acquired him from the Vancouver Canucks. It is an $8.5 million AAV it is a big old chunk of change. And predictably, thank you, Canucks fans and Canucks Twitter, 
all your favorite lines of discourse played out on social media over the last, what, 12 to 24 hours. So there's a lot of takeaways here. There's a lot of directions to go. I'll cede the floor to you. Oh, good for Bo. I mean, as the kids say and said it multiple times on Twitter to the point I got tired of it, he got his bag. That's what the kids say. I think it's, he got the, I think it's bag. the bag, but point taken. He got his bag? Yeah. The bag? He got the bag? Right. I think it's his bag, too. Got the bag. Anyway, it's a, it's a bag of money. It's a bag of money. And he got it. Uh, also, good luck to Bo because the pressure's on now. IELTS fans are going to be expecting big things from this guy, $68 million in total money. You better score some goals for a team that doesn't know how to score goals. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope for Bo's sake that the Isles have some success. Although, if they don't, he can't say that nobody warned him. Right? Like, well, I don't know if he's on Twitter or checking his DMs um, because I think there's a lot of people that look at this Islanders lineup and they look at their cap situation and they look look at their prospect situation and go, okay, well, you're all in right now Mm -hmm. and you're not even a playoff spot. God, that sounds familiar. Where have we heard that? You're all in now, but you're not in a playoff spot. Can't put my finger on it. Um, I wonder how much the Isles' ability to sign him to an eight-year deal influenced his decision because if he were to test free agency this summer, the most he could get is seven years. It feels like that extra year of stability is a big thing for Bo. Yeah. It feels like it matches with his personality. So now, what if I could get eight years mm-hmm. of it's, being in the same place and doing the same thing instead of seven? <laughs> it's not even about the total money for him. It's the stability. <laughs> yeah. Well, seriously. he was talking about how he was saying the last uh, little while has been stressful for him and that he, um, he also said, you know, the Isles culture appealed to him, which I'm sure Lou Lamorello told him to say, mm-hmm. or insinuated that they do have a they do have a culture there. They do have uh, more of a history. With that core group of players, they do have more history of success than he, he certainly saw in Vancouver. Yep. I, yep. Um, they've never really gotten over the, um, the hump. Of, I don't know if they've ever been considered Stanley Cup contenders. I think, like, I know I think Greg, Wish picked them once. I know. Well, I think Wish picked them this year. But that doesn't really count. No, me. that's just like, I remember when Frank picked the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. It doesn't matter if the media guys yeah. picked them. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's unfair to them. But to me, they've always seemed like, when they got close with Barry Trotz, they got close because they had Barry Trotz and they had the system that they were buying into. It wasn't because I looked at the lineup and saw amazing players everywhere. Right. Like you like some of their players and you like their blue line. Love the goaltending. Yeah, you like the goaltending. Yep. And by the way, I think Sorokin's only a couple years until unrestricted He's- free agency. So yeah. this summer, I imagine they'll try and get him to an extension. Uh I do also wonder what the Canucks could have had Horvat for this past offseason. Like a lot of people, the response was, boy, I'm glad the Canucks dodged that bullet and didn't sign Bo to a $68 million deal. Yeah. I don't think they would have had to go $68 million if they had come to an agreement this offseason. You know, there's a lot to unpack from this story, even though technically we're talking about a guy that didn't sign a contract with the local hockey squadron. He's elsewhere now, but there's there, so the one point you brought up is an important one because everyone's going to ask what could the Canucks have had him for, and then this is always going to be judged within the context and the confines of the JT Miller deal. We chose one over the other. Mike, that you're all just from Brockville, texted in earlier this morning that now that the dust is settled on the Horvat extension and the Miller extension, 
Would it not have been better just to have traded them both? And I can't really argue with that sentiment, but at the same time, what's done is done, mm-hmm. and we sort of move forward. I want to play two tiny bits of audio just to break up the monotony of our voices here. <laughs> Let's hear from Horvat first. And I, you know, he, I know what he's saying, but the way that he's saying it, I really do feel like this particular player with this particular personality was just thrilled to have this done. I don't think he enjoyed the last year. By that, I mean the last 40-some-odd games played. I don't think he loved the offseason. He's a guy that just wants to lock in and play hockey, and I don't think that it's any huge surprise that, as you mentioned, he opted for the longest deal possible. Here now is uh, new New York Islander Bo Horvat on signing his contract extension. How important is this to you to just, you know, to not worry about being an intending UFA and yeah. just having that cleared from your plate? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a relief, um, to be honest with you. Um, it's been a, a mental grind of a year, uh, to say the least. And, um, you know, to, to finally, you know, lock it in and and, uh, and kind of be set up uh, somewhere for, you know, the unknowing was, was kind of the, the place or the thing that was kind of hindering, you know, me and my family the most. So to be locked in here for eight years is, is special to me, especially to my family. And uh, we can't wait to get everybody here. Now, the, the sticker shock on the price tag, I think it was like everyone knew that this was going to be a big money long term deal. I think once the Islanders made the trade, even though Lamorello said publicly, we never got permission to talk to his agent about his extension. We we're all mm-hmm. like, yeah, but. Kind of feel like there might be an extension here. Seems like a huge gamble or risk for you not to have something in pocket. The number was big. And I think Canucks fans are probably going to look at it and say, I wouldn't have wanted the Canucks to pay that. The counter to that would have been, I don't think they would have had they been able to do this deal earlier. But it is what it is now is that Horvat is a 8.5 million per year guy who is on a bound for regression shooting heater. I think that's maybe fair to throw out there. I don't know if he's going to shoot at 22% for the rest of his year. And now there's a lot of pressure. There was pressure, excuse me, there was pressure before, but now there is a lot of pressure. He is one of the highest paid players on this team. He is one of the guys signed for the longest on this team. And in the immediacy, never mind eight or seven years down the road, the primary goal for him is to jumpstart this offense and get them into the playoffs. That's asking a lot of a guy that's pretty much a 2C. It is. It's asking an awful lot of them. I lo- I-, I like what Horvat brings to the table. I-, I think he did a commendable job here in Vancouver under trying circumstances. But the circumstances aren't trying anymore. I mean, New York is in a... Mentally, they feel like they are in a way different spot. Like, there are expectations of mm-hmm. what they want to do with this team. And there are expectations of what they need, not want, need Horvat to do now that he's a member of the team. Yeah, out of the frying pan into, I don't know, a new, another frying pan, right? Yeah. Like, that's basically a hotter, what it is, a hotter what it is for Bo Horvat. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Uh, what else did you want to hear from Horvat? Well, no, I want to hear from Lou Lamorello. Oh, this okay. is the other interesting part. Is, it, is this, this might be the most entertaining thing Lamorello has ever said. When he said it, I actually took a moment because I was like, did he just make a funny? I'll let it because the question's in the clip as well, right? This is Andrew Gross of Newsday asking Lou Lam about contract details, knowing full well that Lou Lam does not give out contract details. And then it got kind of funny from there. Uh, here's Lamorello on the Horvat extension. I know you don't release contract figures. Is that still stand, or can you let us know what you well, say? All I can before? tell you is it's too long and it's too much money. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that's, I mean, you want the truth? <laughs> you can't handle 
mm-hmm. the truth. But that is I that is it's a funny play from him because he's acknowledging this is a ton. This is a ton of money. This is a ton of term. But I also think it was a, a nod to the fact that that's kind of the market and the game now is that if you want to keep or get these guys and keep yeah. them, that's the kind of splash you have to make. Lou also didn't uh, give out bonuses, right? And that yeah. makes that contract, uh, if it gets to this point down the line, more buy-outable than, for example, Louis Erickson's contract sure. was for the Vancouver Canucks because it had all these um, uh, bonuses in it. Like it wasn't worthwhile to buy him out. Um, so that's something to be said for that. But, I mean, that's six or seven years down the line. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I want Bo to have success uh, with the Islanders. But in another way, I kind of don't because the Canucks' fortunes are tied to the Islanders' misfortunes. 100%. Right? Yep. But, you know, I, I, I will be curious to see how it goes for him. Listen, a lot of people, I don't even think we were, we were going to get into this, but a lot of people are texting into the show about this Steve Simmons report um, that he ran into some people at the All-Star game or recently or whatever. Let, mm-hmm. let me get this. Uh, this is Steve Simmons, Toronto Sun. We all know him, Phil Kessel, et cetera, et cetera, hot dogs. Uh, he wrote in an article on Sunday. I think this must have been his Sunday notes column where he kind of has a bunch of things that, yep. he, that he writes. Uh, more than This is what he wrote. More than one hockey person I've run into this weekend, I guess he was down in Florida for the All-Star game, believes Jim Rutherford wants out as president of the Vancouver Canucks. That's the kind of mess this situation is in. So when I first read that, I actually went, yeah, whatever. Honestly, like I, I did because um, I took that as – Steve ran into a couple guys who wondered if Jim Rutherford wants out or that's their opinion. Mm-hmm. And then we had a text with a bunch of media guys here in Vancouver and we were discussing this text chat and no one's heard anything like that. In fact, they've heard the opposite, right? And there's been reports like, like oh, his family's not happy here. I'm like, what is this, Louis Erickson again? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's from what I've heard. That's, that's not true. Do I wonder? <laughs> do I wonder if Jim Rutherford has any regrets about taking the job? Of course I do. Yeah. Who, I mean, who wouldn't, but I can tell you that of the people that I've asked that are more insider than me, there's no reason to believe this. Yeah. I, that, that being said, I in the back of my mind, I still wonder, I mean, who who wouldn't, considering what the Canucks have been through, who wouldn't, who wouldn't uh, have wondered if maybe he sits there and goes, man, like, you know, the way things left, uh, the way things ended in Pittsburgh, did I maybe just take this job because I didn't want my career to end the way it did in Pittsburgh? And now I'm in a real pickle. My words. A, di- a dilly of a pickle. A dilly of a pickle in Vancouver trying to turn this team around. Uh, the season's been a nightmare. Uh, you know, I'm not allowed to talk anymore because I keep getting myself in trouble. You know, of course, of course I wonder. Uh, Jim Rutherford still wants this job, but all I'm saying is that when I read this report mm-hmm. from Steve, I took that as, yeah, he runs into a bunch of people that go, boy, I wonder if Jim regrets taking that job. And then he's like, boom, there's something for my column. Yep. That's a, probably exactly what it was. We've been around the big J journalism game on, on occasion at these events where everyone congregates and it can be. What starts as a, man, that situation in Vancouver, eh? Followed by, I wonder this, I'm thinking about this, I wonder that. 
I'll and just say it's this. not a long jump to getting into, hey, this made my column. If it was a real report, it would have been a lot more than just a throwaway line in his column somewhere. Yeah. If it was a real port report with yeah. real sourcing, yeah. it would have been more than just a random At the quote. same time, though, it's not completely illogical to have wondered what was in the Toronto Sun over the weekend. That's a, that's a totally logical thing to throw there. Like, it's not, it hasn't been a great year. Yeah. Right? I, anyone, if you were 20 years old or 70 years old, and we're embroiled in that kind of year with all the controversy mm-hmm. and all the losing and all that stuff. It'd be fair to wonder if it's maybe time to, you know, reverse course and go another way. Can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine? Let's just allow ourselves for for five seconds here to imagine the season's over and Jim's like, all right, see you later. I'm actually, uh, I'm going to retire. You know, <laughs> I, I, all, we're going way too far down this road right now, but what the hell? We are, but... uh, wh- yeah, why not? We're a, we're a gossipy show. No, it's not gossip. We love the tabloids. Tabloid we, newspapers. We do. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. He's not a young man. Mm-hmm. And he's taken this role, not as a day-to-day boots-on-the-ground general manager, but as the president of Hockey Ops, as a sort of, like, godfatherly overseer of the organization. Yeah. He's putting things in place. He's hiring a lot of people. He does have a multitude of assistant general managers and player personnel people underneath him. Now, it's all just... Mindless, baseless speculation and conversation. Yeah, it just so happened that it made the Toronto was the Toronto Sun, right? Not Toronto, Toronto Sun, Sun yeah. Toronto Sun on the weekend. We should get into what's going on with the actual team at the moment. Uh, the Canucks are in New Jersey. They will take on the Devils tonight, four thirty from New Jersey. From one bow to another, it's going to be a big debut for Anthony Beauvillier because he's getting that plum gig on the top line. With Pedersen is Kuzmenko, as we kind of speculated last week on this show. That might be the fit. He becomes the Mikheyev replacement for now. How long have you been sitting on that one from one bow to another? Since Jason put it in the notes last night. Oh, it was mm-hmm. Jason. Yeah. yeah. He mostly just steals my material and yeah. then passes it off. <laughs> yeah. He's got some good lines. Anyone yeah, but yeah. Bruff, you're stealing my bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Canucks did return to practice yesterday. Uh, new look lines. The big takeaway, obviously, was that Beauvillier is going to slot into the spot alongside Kuzmenko and Pedersen. Do you think Besser looked at that those lines and was like, hey, awesome. I don't think hey, this, so. This new guy gets this plum assignment, and I'm here with uh, Pod Colson called up from the AHL and dries. Yeah, I don't think. Hey, terrific. I don't think Brock loved the development. You brought up an interesting point in the notes. In the I notes, didn't, yeah. I hadn't even thought just, about it. Why don't you just yeah. take, take some more of my. Well, you would think. Calvin's like, I just had a thought. Yeah. <laughs> hey. I just had a thought back to your prep. You know, I was just kind of kicking this around. No, um, Besser on the power play <laughs> with Horvat gone. You would think that that would be the fit, right? Like, not only do you need someone to replace the position and the production that Bo was putting up for you, but also mm-hmm. what better way to try and kickstart his season, his you know previous identification and label as a goal scorer, yeah. and maybe his trade value by throwing him out there on the peeper and getting us some stats. Well, or on a line with Kuzmenko and Pedersen, right? I mean, I think the issue there is... Um, they want a replica of Mikhaev, right? They want a speed guy, a punt and hunt, and Beauvillier fits. Yeah, I guess so. Besser yeah, no, is, that's true. That's stylistically, true. Besser's yeah. just not a great fit on that line, mm-hmm. right? It usually happens that the new veteran gets a pretty good starting assignment. And it's at least it seemed that way in Vancouver. I don't know how other teams do it, but it's always like the the I mean, even Kuzmenko, right? This year is like, oh, you're signed. All right, you're new here. 
You've earned nothing. Congratulations. You get to play with Pedersen, right? Um, anyway, I'm going to be curious to see what Beauvillier looks like. Because don't forget, uh, I mean, the Canucks are in a position right now where they need to get a lot of guys going in order to help their market value, whether it is Busser, Garland, or even Beauvillier. Yeah. I mean, Beauvillier is an interesting project to revitalize after his value was, uh, his value started to deteriorate in New York with the Islanders to the point where, I don't know, was he a salary dump as part of this deal? It was certainly part of it. We need a better phrasing, but it's not incorrect. Not really? So like a salary transition, well, like a recycling facility. I think he was available for. I think he was available for free. For he was for, for <laughs> so to the same point. Like he had Garland and Besser status with the New York Islanders, and now the Canucks have him. So that's great. Yeah. Uh, so you know, if one of these guys, or you know, hopefully two, can start to pick up the pace and just up their value because. We all know that general managers are like short-term thinkers, right? Yes. They're like, well, this guy had a good week. Maybe he's turned it around, it's true. right? It's all about how these guys finish the finish the season or maybe even right up to the trade deadline for Garland or Besser. Mm-hmm. But the Canucks have to get some sort of scoring out of Bovillier, Garland, or Besser because these are salaries that they're going to have to try and move at some point. Uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to go to New Jersey. Matt Laughlin, the play-by-play voice of the Devils, is going to join us. We will look ahead to tonight's opponent. Uh, we'll come back on the other side of that interview. Can get into everything else that went on this past weekend, including the NHL All-Star Game which was a game and a weekend, I'll say that. There's a lot more to get into throughout the weekend. There was a ton of stories that went on. A reminder, our guest for today, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, is going to join us at 7.30. And then at 8 o'clock, IMAX is going to join us as we go back to New Jersey from the Canucks side of thing. Uh, tonight's the Canucks and Devils, 4.30 um, from New Jersey. we got a lot more to get into. Don't go anywhere. It is the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People's Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Devils get the opening possession. Jesper Bratt takes it forward. Ace going to knock it away from him. Bratt finds Hughes with space. Hughes lets it go. He scores! 6.33 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 6.50. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, Matt Laughlin, play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils, is on the line. He's going to join us in just a second here. It's the Canucks and Devils tonight. 4.30 puck drop from New Jersey. Uh, one of the things I like to do when you're not here, Jason, Jason was absent for a couple days last week, I like to uh, hijack the show and turn it into a soccer show. Oh, good. And it might be happening again today. Mm-hmm. Big news in the Premier League. Are you following? Are Don't. You following? This, I know this is, you're setting up this joke here where Leeds sacking their manager yet again is going to be a bigger story than Man City facing financial charges. Because it is. It's not. Jesse Marsh is out. Mm-hmm. The gaffer has been sacked. Okay. The only American manager in the Premier League is gone. He'll be back in MLS soon. Anyway, we'll save that. Also, Man City facing <laughs> financial Does charges. anyone care about this Man City mm-hmm. thing, really, when Leeds is in peril? Barely above the drop zone? Okay, let's focus here, shall we? This is your home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. The Canucks are playing the Devils tonight. Joining us now, Matt Laughlin, play-by-play voice of the New Jersey Devils, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 
Good morning, Matt. How are you? Uh, good morning, fellas. How are things out uh, in Vancouver? Very interesting. I'll put it that way. There's, it's, been, it's been a roller coaster, my friend. There's been a lot going on. And, you know, we look at – it was funny. Previewing tonight's game, we actually started by discussing a contract that the former captain signed with a totally different team and then kind of wondering what the new look first line is going to be like because Anthony Beauvillier is going to be playing on it. But from the Devils' side of things, I mentioned off the top that it's just been a banner season for this group. They've really found their stride, and they're playing terrific hockey. And they went into the break on a real high, winning 8 of 10. Have there been any real down moments for this Devils team throughout the first half of the season? Yeah, there was a brief down moment. It came in December where they struggled to score, at least anyone outside of Hughes, Heischer, Brett, or Hamilton struggled to score. And the Devils were losing tight games, 2-1, 3-2. And you wondered whether some of the pixie dust had worn off but they were able to regain their footing in january it appears it was just one of those moments that all teams go through uh they were able to get some more balanced scoring and they've been secure in goal so they're, they're back to where they were at the beginning of the year i don't know if they're surprising teams anymore since we're now into february but they certainly have been a pleasant look all year long can you tell us how jack hughes has taken his game to the current level that it's at yeah, a couple of things that he's done. First of all, I just want to go back to last year a little bit, because if you look at his numbers, you say, oh, he had 56 points. You go, ah, Jack Hughes, first overall pick, 56 points. But he came in 49 games. So he was more than a point per game, but the overall number didn't look great, and the team was terrible, and so it was not a good look. But he has picked up, if you will, where he left off. But even so, he's, his game has grown. He's stronger. He sees the game better. There's a comfort level now in his fourth year that he didn't have previously. Uh, there's a confidence that he shows that, like, I can dominate in a game or in a shift. And he's learned when he can go and when he can't. Uh, in the beginning of his career, it was like, oh, yeah, this is easy, right? I'm, I'm a great player, and I'll just do my thing. And veterans were going, no, we've, we've seen that. We've seen that move before, and and we're not going to go for it, or you know we'll just squeeze off along the boards. So he's learned that he's got to stay away from the boards a little bit. That's not a strength. He's worked on his shot. That is a strength. And when you have his innate skills of skating and and vision combined with maturity, it's just added up to what we're seeing here. So some of it was just natural growth. Some of it's hard work, and he has lived up to his billing. He is just a sublime talent. Matt, we talk a lot about in Vancouver about leadership and, and culture just because those things have been issues here in Vancouver and with the trading of Bo Horvat, uh, Elias Pettersson, and, and uh, Jack Hughes' brother, Quinn Hughes, are going to start wearing A's and being asked to be more part of the leadership group, more vocal. I look at this New Jersey Devils team, and this is a young team that's having success. Who are the leaders on this team? Who is setting the culture? Yeah, well, you have to start with the captain, right, Nico Heischer. Quiet, understated in many ways, but can do it at both ends of the ice. And he just kind of shrugs his shoulders. He leads by example. Different kind of player, so I don't, I don't want to get people all crazed, but Scott Stevens led the same way on the ice. He didn't say much. He didn't have to. He just said, follow me, boys, and, and let's go. And Nico plays, quote-unquote, the right way. He gives a full effort the entire game. He blocks shots. He plays with pain. He he doesn't accept losing. So 
So he's been, but he's quiet. You know, he's not a real boastful, outgoing guy, but they follow his lead. And then Dougie Hamilton has fallen into that role a little bit. Again, not a vocal guy, but what he's been able to do on the blue line this year compared to a very rough year last year has galvanized the team as well. And then after that, it's just a group of young guys that like themselves, uh, like each other, I should say. One of the things, though, that Tom Fitzgerald did, and it's a noticeable difference, he brought in some vets last from uh, over the summer. He realized he needed guys who had been in the playoffs to show you that there's another level to get to, despite the leadership that Aniko Heischer can provide. So Brendan Smith, Andre Pallott, John Marino, though he's a little younger than those two guys, they've all been in the playoffs. They've been around the block. Pallott's won championships. And just their professionalism, the way they go about their craft, and, and the fact that they don't take you know, a lot of shifts off or a lot of days off. They're always, you know, first on, first, uh, last off type of thing. Uh, that's been a boon to the team as well. Leading up to the tread deadline, I'm looking at this Devils team and going, hmm, they look pretty complete. <laughs> is there anywhere where the, is there any area where the fan base is like, we need to address this before we get into the playoffs? Oh, there's a huge love affair for a forward out of San Jose by the name of Timo Meyer uh, with the fan base. <laughs> God, that's I, I, a big ask. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a big ask, and it's going to cost a lot if, in fact, Tom Fitzgerald is interested. Why wouldn't he be interested? But it's the cost, and it's also what he will command in the form of a salary because Jesper Bratt is still unsigned, and while they can control him for another year, uh, you start to look at how you're going to build your team in a, in a cap world, even though – in a few years, it's supposed to go up. Uh, that being said, it's more size, right? That's really what they need. This is a smallish team in its forward group. You know, five eleven, six foot, six one. Nobody's you know six three, six four who's going to do some of that real heavy work along the boards. That's that's where they might be a little vulnerable. So I think that's something that you could look for from a devil standpoint, and maybe a depth defenseman. They've been fortunate not to have too many injuries back there. They've got a couple of young guys that they've stuck in here and there. But I think if someone were to go down for a significant period of time, they would rather not ask someone who is a rookie to handle that role, particularly with high dreams that this team has. So I think that you know Tom may very well look for a uh, uh, for a veteran D man. So so are a lot of teams, but I think those would be the two asks. How has Damon Severson's game been this season? And the only reason I ask is because he's that right shot defenseman. He's an impending unrestricted free agent. And I just wonder how much he's going to get paid this offseason because there are so many teams looking for exactly what he is. And he's going to get paid. There's no question about it. I just don't know if he'll be paid by the New Jersey Devils for some of the reasons I mentioned, cap space and all that sort of stuff. Look, he can skate all night long. He can score, although this year in a different role, he's seeing less time, so his numbers are down from last year. He, but he's he's a player like most that, that has some holes. So when he's good, he's very good. You go, oh, my goodness gracious, there's a spot for him. And then there are times when, you know, you wonder, what was that? Why was that play made? So there's no perfect player, but he's a very, very good one. And wherever he lands, I've seen him grow up in New Jersey. I, I think he certainly would play an important role moving forward. I just don't know where the money contract situation is and how he views it. It'll probably be his one and only really big shot at the money, although he's 
being very well paid this year as well. But uh, so he could very well be on the move. And I can understand there'd be a lot of suitors for the reasons you mentioned. There, there's a lot to like about his game. Uh, you know, maybe not number one guy, but certainly one a definite awesome second pair right shot guy. Uh, Matt, there is an actual game tonight here in Vancouver. We've kind of bypassed the individual game parts of things and just start looking big picture because that's where we're at. But there is a game tonight, 4.30 from New Jersey. I'll set this one up for us. Anything we need to know, news or notes from the Devils side of things going into tonight's action? Yeah, it looks like John, yeah, it looks like John Marino will return to action. I, I said they've kind of been unscathed, and overall they have, but he's been out with a, a bit of a shoulder injury. And so he comes back to the lineup, at least based on, practice yesterday and comments that that uh, Lindy Ruff made who's kind of wink and nod we'll see but mm. that he looked good today so I think he'll be back in the lineup so that secures it uh, other than that no what you see is what you get from the Devils they'll skate all night they have a determination that comes from winning that they, they're never out of a game they are comeback kids they've shown that all season long and bringing in all of the, the veterans to, to shore up that responsibility and experience side. He also went out and got Vitek Vanacek, who has been unquestionably the surprise of the season right. in goal. Uh, you know, why Washington got rid of him, I don't know. We'll find out maybe. There's something we haven't seen in the first half of the season, but he has been terrific in goal. Gives them a chance every night. Battles, very popular in the room because he's got a great personality. And uh, he'll be in goal tonight. He's a, he's a tough one to figure out at times because he's a little unorthodox. Again, I say this respectfully when you're talking about Hall of Famers, but he's got a little Dominic Koshik in it in that it's not a standard style. You know, he'll flop, he'll go down, he'll dive. He's all over the place, but somehow he's been able to keep the puck out of the net, and he has been great. So uh, the Canucks will have to try to figure him out a little bit. And, and I guess the only thing is that what I'm curious is what the difference is under Rick Tockett, what we'll see. I know it's just been a short run, and with the All-Star break, kind of hard to figure everything out. But uh, my guess is there'll be some shock effect of the captain not being there uh, anymore, but also with talk there. So just kind of curious as to what the Canucks will bring tonight. Yeah, we're curious as well. Thanks, Matt. We really appreciate this. Enjoy the game tonight. Have a good call. We'll talk again later in the season. You got it, fellas. Go Leeds. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. They're not going anywhere but down at this point, but that's okay. Uh, Matt, Matt Laughlin, the uh, Devil's play-by-play man here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay. Uh, the Canucks return to action tonight, 4.30, from New Jersey against the Devils because everybody across the league is now back from the All-Star Weekend in Florida. I'll go around the room. Speak as candidly as you like, dogs. This is a safe space. It's a safe kennel. <laughs> did you watch the All-Star festivities this weekend? I did. Uh, Laddie, did you? I did not, and I laughed every single time I received a push notification about the goings-on at the All-Star. Did you watch? I flipped by a few times. Okay, now let's play a word association game. What's the one word that you associate with everything you saw from All-Star weekend? Cringe. Boring? Yeah, I was going to take cringe. <laughs> <laughs> I take it. It was bad. It, wasn't it was great. bad. It wasn't great. And this is coming from someone that really likes the event. Yes, mm-hmm. that is worth noting. You know, they, they, yeah. say, they say the All-Star game is for kids. Well, that explains and it. And Andy is the closest thing to a yeah. kid I know, and yeah. even he was cringing. Yeah, I don't even know 
if this event is salvageable. One at of this the games point. was good. One of the games was good. The Eastern Conference matchup. Oh my that, god, that was good because they actually this. looked like they cared a little bit. But the other two games were not good. The players were just completely checked out. I like, think, is yeah. it is this game going to go um, the way of the Pro Bowl? Because for me, if the players aren't going to try. Because they're too scared of getting hurt or too cool to try or too hungover or whatever. <laughs> like, what are we even watching here? That's a good question. Um, yes, we get to see the player's personality on display, but that is also a problem. You want less of their personality <laughs> on display. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. Like, we, we ran around the room, and Andy, it sounds like, watched the whole damn thing. Like he was, he was, like, in it on uh, Friday for the, uh, the uh, skills competition, yeah. yep. and then... In, like you even knew which individual game. I didn't watch any of the actual All Star game. No. I yeah. flipped by a bit of the um, the the Friday night skills competition. I cringed and then flipped away. I was like, well, "Why is PK Subban saying yeah. he has a hard time watching he, people embarrass themselves live?" Like, that's yeah, like what is like I, I got I what you need, Mitch Marner or what? Some and that turned out to be Luongo, and the Luongo kind of yeah. went out there and then. Mitch Marner was like I. You think my like references are kind of out of date? He cruises out there in a, the Miami Vice. Mitch Marner in the Miami yeah. Vice getup, and the, I bet the people in Miami were like, "Hey, man, screw you!" Like we've we're more <laughs> a than way. than a show that was popular in the '80s, right? Like it, it, I don't know. I just don't For like me, how they, they took one of the few good events in the, uh, the the Breakaway Challenge, which is usually pretty fun to watch. They got rid of that, and instead of that. Replaced it with these five skits that yeah, made, skits are not going to work. No, yeah. it was like skits are not going to work. Skits did not work. They didn't land whatsoever. The boy loved the dunk tank, so we watched about like he was on the floor laughing when Sidney Crosby got dunked into the water. He is barely seven years old and does not have an advanced sense of humor. So right. I don't know. Maybe more dunk tanks? Could they? Could could we have more of a carnival? Could it be atmosphere? all dunk tanks? Could this it be all? Have a dunk tank. I didn't mind the golf hockey one. That was kind of cool. I thought that was neat. Yeah, one thing like, kids it, love is. I, I was I, actually I, like, like, okay. I was actually slightly invested in it. And he was like, like, "Get in the hole!" I feel, I feel <laughs> like cool. mashed potato. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like, as per usual, we're losing focus here. The overriding theme was unwatchable. Yes. Cringe. Yes. Uh, I bad. Th- I, well, I think you brought up a good point in the notes here. It's there's no effort being put in. No, that's, that's, in that's to the everything issue. Else. That's the issue. What was the Kaprizov line? He, he declined any event at the skills yeah. competition and, and then, was a minus two. Yeah, yeah, he's like, how quickly can I get out of here and Zero get points. back to Cabo? Right? Like when when I see the players coming in on a three on O or a two on O against a goalie, and they're just like they're they're scared to try hard because they're either it's either a, a hockey culture thing where they're like. I don't want to show anyone up or I'm too cool to try right now or I'm scared to get hurt or I'm hungover. Like you understand all these things and I'm not joking about the hangover thing, right? Like they are there to get, they're there to have fun. Okay. Yeah. Like we've seen the players on all-star weekend. Mike and I have both been in the cities where these all-star games have happened. We've seen them out on the town. These guys go hard. They go there to have a good time. Yeah. Um, I always bring up the conversation that um, I had with Brent Burns at the All Star Game, and this was the all- this was the John Scott All Star Game. Yeah, and so that that All Star Game that was in Nashville, right? Yes. Um, and the big story there was him, right? But the other big story in that weekend was that was the first three on three All Star Game. Yep. 
And basically what the NHL deemed, although they didn't put this in the press release, is uh, we're going to bribe these guys to try hard. Yeah. So they brought in this three-on-three and they said, listen, first of all, it's three-on-three. So it's hard to dog it out there when it's three-on-three. Like you can't just be, you know, like, oh, there's five guys out here. I'm not going to play defense, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's obvious. And we're also going to put a million bucks on the line or whatever the payout was for the winning team. Yep. And I remember I had a conversation very awkward and it went from zero to awkward in like five seconds. And I don't know if my question was like inelegant or whatever, but Brent Burns, God, he did not he care for it. So he got so very sensitive. That guy. Yeah. Um, I asked him basically like, uh, are you guys going to try now? <laughs> and he goes, what do you want me? Like, uh, like, you know, back checking or, you know, hunting a guy down on the, on, on a breakaway. He asked if you wanted like a one, nothing game. And then right. the game actually finished one, nothing like the game right after that. And people loved it because they were trying. And then, and then Jason went up to Brent Burns and he's like, stick that in your pipe and smoke it yeah. burns. He didn't, I didn't. That I was, part didn't I was actually like cowering in the corner. Please don't hurt me. It got, it got to the point where, uh, I don't know. It was another sharks guy there. Asked like he called over from another stall. Was like, you need some help over there, Brent. And I was like, I was like, hey, don't take any offense here. Like, I'm just asking mm. because my whole thing was I wanted to write a story and see if this new format with the money being involved was going to again right. make these guys try. So, and I think of all the issues in this All Star game, um, and this has been going on for years now. It's they go to the game and they just. Like they, they just, they're lackadaisically, it looks like they're warming up. Right. That's how they play. Mm-hmm. And me personally, like, and listen, people will say, oh, it's always for the kids. Like, I think even the kids were like, this is kind of lame. Well, I right? mean, regardless of they what. They don't try. There's no comp. There's no actual competition there. Well, I think regardless of uh, who's watching or what their reviews were, youths or adults, one thing was crystal clear and it was almost troubling that. It didn't seem like anyone gave a crap from the top down because I ca- I just saw the skits and the energy being put into them and the pacing of the programming and it all seemed like it was really haphazard and kind of half thought out and they're like ah Mitch Marno or wear a, a a funny suit with sunglasses. What were All Star games in the eighties and nineties like? They just I played. They just played. Like, did they try? They did tried they, harder they tried, than what's yeah. going on right even now. In the, like, even in the two thousands, no, no, there was no. Uh, there would be actually there. There would be. I always remember this as a kid. Like there would be one hit in the game, and they'd be like, "Whoa!" Yeah. Right. So there wasn't hitting, but there was a competition. Like guys legitimately wanted to play, and then it very quickly devolved. But here's my biggest issue right Why now. Why and how though? Yeah, you said it was a hockey culture it possibly mean, like, thing, but if the, it wasn't around in the I'll 80s. Tell you, I'll tell you exactly what's going on right now. Is players don't want to be there. They want to go on vacation. They're jealous of the guys that don't go to the All-Star game and get to go somewhere for 10 or 11 days. I've talked to guys that work for the Canucks and other organizations. Those guys are dreaming about the All-Star break hitting. They go right from their last game to the airport and go on vacation. They don't even stop off at home. They're like, pack a bag. I'm going right to yeah. the airport. They don't want to be there. It's I, to I, answer I, your question, Laddie. I don't know what happened. I don't. I don't know. Maybe more money was at stake, and guys. Wasn't just, there a big deal when Gretzky like broke the All Star Game points record? Like I remember it being like an actual. Yeah, it was a bigger thing. deal, right? But it's but it's been it's just it's just a modern progression. Call it a societal shift where these maybe ex- they used to try in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. I don't know. Well, here's the thing. 
Um, the NFL completely revamped the Pro Bowl. That that to me is the biggest difference. Is the NHL just keeps looking at this event, which has been awful for a while, and instead of trying to fundamentally alter it, it's just lipstick on a pig. Like oh, instead of uh, instead of mini pucks going into the mini net, we'll do a dunk tank, or you know we'll do. Attendee challenge. Like it's all. Oh, it's all. God. It's all. I don't want to see goalies shoot the puck down the ice. But it's right? all. It's all in the same framework. It's like, well, <laughs> the reason that, the reason that we can't change this is because this is the way we've done this for years. I'll give credit to the NFL because the Pro Bowl weekend is still largely unwatchable by my mm-hmm. standards. But I was reading a bunch of articles yesterday. The players loved what they've done. They're like, we oh, show- they did. Oh yeah. The, oh, okay. oh yeah. The guys. If you see the videos yesterday. The clips from the guys playing flag football, mm-hmm. like they were, they were loving it. Right, they were going after it. They were like, they, they thought it was cool because it was not a football game where you're just going out there to not get hurt. And the NFL, I think, really just they're like, if we're gonna get the players on board, you're gonna have to cater to them, and you're going to have to, at the very least, make it so they show up and they give a crap. Yeah, because that was the most. I don't know how you can do it though. That was kind of the most insulting thing of the whole weekend, yeah. to be honest. Like I, I was, you know? I was insulted on behalf of the Florida fans. Those that decided to show up, yeah. it looked pretty empty, by the way. As an entertainer, um, I was insulted. They couldn't no, even was... explain the tendy challenge. Tendy yeah. tandem. Like, I felt the I big felt... graphic went up on the board and it covered yeah. like the entire screen. The guys were like, "Uh, yeah, we don't know. This is going to be. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much tickets were for that skills challenge, but I imagine they were hundreds, probably. You're like, I, I felt bad for those people that showed up and they were like, "What the hell was this? Uh, did you know it's Super Bowl week? What? Yeah, it is. Oh, I knew that. Who's in the Super Bowl? The Eagles and the Chiefs. Chiefs. They, they arrived in. Uh, they <laughs> arrived in Arizona yesterday. Can confirm my uh, in-depth reporting, which consisted of watching TV last night. Mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes walked off the plane down the stair ladder. Right. He looked fine. No limp. No noticeable limp whatsoever. No Chris Tan of walking boot. No walking boot. What nothing. about Jalen Hurts? Like they're both banged up. Yeah, I mean Mahomes is a little, would have been a little bit more obvious in the moment because sure. walking, right? Hurts mm-hmm. uh, has the the shoulder, but uh, both are apparently good to go for Super Bowl week. Uh, we will talk to Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from Football Outsiders, coming up next. I want to almost split this conversation in two because this quarterback carousel continues to spin and I don't know if you saw some of the news coming out of uh, Senior Bowl week where all the executives were down looking at the draft eligible prospects but it sounds like Brady Henderson wrote about this sounds like a Geno Smith contract is uh, is going towards a near resolution he says talks are going very well and it sounds like it might not just be like a one-year deal it could Mm -hmm. be a multi-year deal in Seattle so I want to ask Mike about all this Super Bowl week QB carousel that's all coming up next as we continue on a Monday, it is the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.